not everybody resonates with the same type of people. Knowing your product, knowing the competition, knowing what people need and being able to be a resource because the first point of any sales call is to build trust. Microphone check, one, two, what is this? You're now listening to a brand new episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Look what you done started. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. We're joined today by Darlene Perday, CEO of DP Consult Sales Coach. Hey, Darlene. Hi. Thanks for having me, Cherie. Thank you so much for being with us. Since we serve primarily entrepreneurs, when I saw your profile and read that you actually work as a business and development coach, I said, we got to get Darlene on the show. So tell us what you do and how you help entrepreneurs. Yeah, absolutely. My heart is for entrepreneurs. I think it is not for the faint of heart. There's a lot of amazing, courageous people out there. And the beautiful thing is that you can lean into other people that have some skills and abilities that maybe you're weaker in and really round out your offering for yourself. So DP Consults, I started that to empower entrepreneurs, coaches, service providers to be able to sell their own services authentically to what resonates with them and then create a strategy and follow through that is easy to maintain and easy to scale their business. Are you saying that all coaching programs or businesses need a sales department? Yes and no. So they don't need a sales department, but typically it's the person that has started the entrepreneur, the founder, that is the best salesperson for their service yet they feel like it might be icky unless they have a sales background they feel like it's icky they feel like it's inauthentic and they freeze up therefore they want to get someone else to sell their services when they are actually the perfect person to do it let's start with a solopreneur someone who is basically all of the business what are some daily practices that you would recommend to improve their sales process So a lot of times I speak to people and they don't track who they're having conversations with. They don't have a CRM. We are in a great time where technology is pretty inexpensive. Tracking something in a CRM or on a Google Doc to ensure that you know who you're speaking with. And then secondly is to make sure you're following up. I remember reading an article last year that said 70% of salespeople do not follow up on their calls. I did not believe it because this is always what I've done. So it sounded so foreign to me, but when I actually started speaking to people that were doing their own sales, they were doing exactly that. They were either getting a yes or a no. If it was a yes, they were moving forward. If it was a no, that was the end of it. The way I come in is I help them develop a cadence to stay connected to those people without being overwhelming. Um, And a no doesn't always mean a no in sales. A no can mean not right now. A no can mean I love it, but once my budget is able to, I'll jump on it. Or a no could be, this is not the right service for me, but I know a lot of people who can use you. So it's like reframing and having a mind shift to that sales call. 
Okay, and Darlene, you have touched a pain point for me because I literally had the worst customer service experience from a salesperson about two or three days ago. I contacted this company for one service. They recommended something else. I politely declined and the salesperson just went into a rant about how if I do decide to come back, it's not going to be the same working with me. Just come yeah. back. So tell us, what are some things that salespeople should not do? This is something I get asked all the time. My foundation of what I do is empathetic sales. So really understanding what the person needs and also treating them how I want to be treated. So some of the things that top, and there's top coaches out there that preach these things and I'm not saying they're, they're, I'm not saying they don't work. I'm just saying if that is not in alignment with your core values and your personality, there is a better way. So for me in my career, and I know this is a long way to the answer, but in my career, I have listened to those coaches that are like, put fear into someone, create a deadline, make sure they understand that your service is the only way, that type of thing. And I've tried to sell that way. And I can't say I wasn't successful, but I felt like garbage at the end of the day. I have to put my head on the pillow and know that I'm getting, my my job is to build trust. My job is not to trick somebody in or make them make a decision before they are ready. So in saying that, some of the things that I do not do and I don't recommend people doing is putting unnecessary deadlines on someone, pressuring them to make a decision before the call is ended. Just what you described of your experience and having somebody say, yeah, you can come back to me, but this is gonna happen or whatever. That is just, those are just all tactics that people use. And sometimes I've been on the receiving end of it. And sometimes if I'm not sure of what I'm talking about, they can work, but that doesn't mean it's the best solution. So putting, we're operating in fear, operating in scarcity mindset that you have to sign now, or it's not going to work. And also um, over inflating your value. I would rather undersell over deliver every single day than to make all these crazy claims and then not go through with it and just churn clients. You want to build relationships. You want to have those people being champions for you because they saw how you transformed their life versus getting that quick money and then just going on to the next victim. And the crazy thing is the thing that was offered to me is similar to something that I had recently purchased. So my no was just a not right now. And I shared that. I said, I just purchased something. It's very similar. I'm going to take my time, evaluate that. And I'll get back with you because I was really interested in working with these people. But now I'll never go back. Definitely. We talked about follow up. When you talk about nurturing, there are so many options in terms of technology that's out there. You have your nurture email sequence. You may have someone in the office who has different touch points, different times of the month. What are some of the best ways to nurture those not right now, no, or maybe laters? Sure. So my philosophy is to every time I am contacting someone, I am giving them some sort of value that they could use 
They could take a tip. They could take a trip. They could, they can incorporate it even if they don't use me. Some kind of value to encourage that person. And also I make notes. I talk to a lot of different people. So I make very detailed notes. So for example, if I spoke to you, Cherie, and you were like, I'm going away for a couple of weeks, then I have the holidays, I'm visiting my family, and I want to talk in January, I'm going to put that in. So next time I'm connecting with them, I'm going to ask, how was your vacation? How, I hope you got to enjoy your family over the holidays. And being genuine, but if I don't put it in my notes, I will forget by the time that I'm reaching out, especially if it's a couple of months later. And then I'm also putting in, again, something value, personalizing it, giving them something value and letting them revisit just because they said, okay, maybe in the new year, I'd say, do you want to hop on another call? We can brainstorm and see if this is the right timing. This way they feel, they feel confident that they can get on that call and not be pressured ask the questions they need to, and I can really help them come to a decision versus just pushing what I want. I love that. I definitely love that. CRMs, do you have any favorite tools that you would recommend? So the way that I look at technology, I use a ton of different technology for many different roles, is it really depends on what you need. The nice thing is that there are smaller types of like ClickUp and um, there's smaller types of CRMs and then there's more robust ones like HubSpot. So there is not just, I don't think there's one way to sell. I don't think there's someone that can say, this is the exact tool you need to use. If a Google Doc suffices and you can keep track of it, go for a Google, you don't have to pay a subscription. Or if you find that you're growing, see what you're gonna use. There, there's always the latest and the greatest out there. If you don't have the time to learn it all or to use it to that capacity, you're just wasting that money. So now that we have the process down and some of the principles, how do we know who our ideal client is that we're actually selling to? Do you have any tips for that? Yes. So one of the things that I do in my strategy session is to, if the person does not know their ideal customer or they come back with an answer of, I can serve everyone, we start there first. You can't serve everyone. Maybe technically you can, but who do you want to serve? So again, back to the scarcity and generosity mindset, niching down sounds scary because then you think you're narrowing your focus and you think you're not casting that wide net. When in reality, if you are so vanilla and you don't take a stand of here's who I can serve really well, it doesn't resonate with anybody because if I hear I can help everybody, I don't feel so special. And I'm like, oh, they're not specialized in what I need. So it's really being honest with yourself, seeing and getting feedback from outside people, whether it's a coach, um, whether it's a networking group, you need entrepreneurs greatest gift is have having people that are going to encourage them, but also speak truth into their life. So having someone that's not in the industry that doesn't re is really not familiar with what you do to really assess, like, what do you do? 
who are you looking to serve? How is that going to help that person is really identifying a lot of different things. Are you specific to a certain industry? Go by how you've built your business. Who was the most successful? Who were singing your praises? Who were who did you serve well, but it really didn't sit well with you or you struggled through it and got through it? As a coach, especially, you want to bring in the right people or service provider that you're going to be comfortable serving. You don't want somebody to drain your whole energy and just get through it. So think through who were my shining stars? Who were my star pupils, right? And what did they look like? Age, industry, personality traits, soft skills, all of those different things of who was I really able to help? That's where you could start building your profile. So again, I target mainly coaches and service providers. Could I use the same principles for somebody that's selling widgets or something like that? 1000%. And I'm not saying I turn those people away, but if I didn't say, hey, entrepreneur, hey, small business, here it is, I wouldn't even have those opportunities of the other ones. Now that we've dialed in our process, we know who our ideal customer is. How do we start dealing with handling objections? I think active listening is really important. I think a lot of people just go to, I don't have the budget for that when they want to be nice, when they you know, they don't want to hurt your feelings, that they don't want your service. So really understanding if it is a fit. I use a series of discovery questions and then I listen to what they are saying. So if they're saying, you know what, I'm just starting out and I really don't have the budget, but I'd like to know what's in the future, right? That you're not going to force their hand. You don't want somebody to invest before they're ready. But again, back to going through your clients, sales calls, what are you typically hearing? And in my process, I work through that with the client to say, okay, what are the top three objections? Are they going to an competitor? Are they saying you're too expensive? This is the same type of thing. If you hear it once or twice, that's one thing. But if you, and you have to know your value, but if you're hearing something over and over again, you may have to look at that area of where everybody's having the objections and take a closer look at your offering to see if you need to tailor it or modify it to make sense in the industry. Does that make sense? It does. And it's so good that you mentioned competition. What are some examples on why an entrepreneur would want to reframe how they look at competition? I think it's important because, again, I'm a coach now, right? And there are coaches for everything. You can throw a stone and hit 10 coaches, right? But my customer, I and I have a lot of people in my network that are incredible sales coaches, but we're not all the same. We have different personalities. We have a little bit different system, different pricing, everything like that. But what's nice is if you look at people, I have virtual coffees with these people. We collaborate. We talk about what's working, what's not working, because truly, my clients for me, I'm not afraid that they're going to go to the competition because I know they're my clients and vice versa. And then if I know what would be considered competitors, if I know them enough, if you came to me, Cherie, and you were asking and I'm like, that's not exactly what I do, but I would love to introduce you to my friend 
who may be able to support you. I've had just incredible relationships with sending potential clients to other coaches and vice versa. I've had other coaches recommend me because we built that rapport of trust that there's enough business for everybody out there. I love that. So really, you promote collaboration over competition. Correct. Correct. I love that. Definitely. So what about confidence? Because I've talked to other sales coaches and one of the crutches that some would-be great sales coaches have is that they're not very confident. What advice would you give sales coaches about dealing with that? I think what's important is like there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. I don't like cockiness. Like when somebody comes across that they know everything, it's re it just is repelling to me. So what I would say is really know your worth, know your value. And I am an ongoing learner. I can learn from somebody who's 20 years younger than me, 20 years older than me and everywhere in between. Even those people that I've taken their courses and they don't resonate with me, I learn what I don't want to do. So I think really always seeking knowledge and making yourself better for you will help with that confidence because then you can really share the value that you're bringing and it is an extension of you. So everything that I teach is something that is gonna resonate natural with you. People think you have to be an extrovert to be a salesperson. That's not true. I am an extrovert, but that doesn't mean you have to be the same way. Not everybody resonates with the same type of people. Knowing your product, knowing the competition, knowing what people need and being able to be a resource because the first point of any sales call is to build trust. If you don't know what you're talking about and you pretend, that's bad. There's, like I said, technology changes at the blink of an eye. I have a client that's like, what do you think about this tool? I'm like, I never even heard of it. Let me jump down that rabbit hole and look into it. But if I just faked it, like the whole fake it till you make it, it comes across because then you're insecure, then you don't know what you're saying, and it's okay to say you don't know about something. If you had one piece of advice for an entrepreneur on how to play big faster, what would it be? I would say to really know the value of what you're offering and practice to communicate it to whoever will listen. Even when it feels clunky, even when it feels like, oh, I feel stupid telling my brother, tell your cat first 20 times before you to somebody. Because the reality is the more that you do it, the more comfortable it's going to be, the more natural it's going to be, not memorizing a sales script, but being able to convey that value. And then when you are on a sales call, you'll be able to share it in a much more relaxed way. I remember being, I'll just use this as an example. So I've been in sales for many years. Okay. So sales calls are natural to me, but when I started doing podcasting, I would be so nervous. Am I going to say the wrong thing? And I just started fairly recently, like at the beginning of last year, really doing a lot of podcasts. And I had some wise advice from people that have done it. And they're like, just keep doing it, like knowing it. And now I love, like I became to love it. So what was a stress for me? and would make me nervous has brought me so much joy. And I've met so many incredible people that regardless if I'm getting sales from it or not, 
if I feel like I'm helping someone through these, that just brings me so much joy. So it may not feel natural in the beginning, but the more practice, like everything else in life, it will. Now you have to tell us the name of your podcast. Oh, I don't. So I don't have a podcast. I just guest on podcasts. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I just, I haven't tackled that yet. That needs to be one of your next projects. I think you'd be a natural. Thank you. I appreciate that. How can people contact you if they have more questions or would like to work with you? Yeah, so they can visit my website, dp-consults.com. There is a form you can fill out to have a discovery call, which is exactly that. Sharing what you need, sharing how I can help you. I do have a sales strategy that takes about 30 days at the end you will have everything you need to go and sell confidently and the structure in place to do so. But I also do rapid fire coaching where if somebody just, maybe they're doing okay in sales, but they need someone to bounce some new offering or how to share their value, I book those as well. So just fill out the form and I'll have a chat with you. And also if you connect with me on LinkedIn, I put a lot of content out on LinkedIn as well. Thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure, Cherie. I really love your podcast. I love the value that you're bringing to entrepreneurs and we all have to support each other. Definitely. And until next time, everybody, play big faster. Thanks for listening to this episode and remember to play big faster. 